0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's service to us by way of His name, Word, and with His very body and blood. A couple of announcements this morning. First of all, join us for Sunday school and Bible class. Uh, there's also the book fair in the lounge, so, catch uh, some books in the lounge. Then, in the gym, there's some refreshments and the Bible study there. And there's also a new member class in the fellowship hall that I'll be conducting. Pesterberg has the one in the gym. Also a reminder for the gala, uh, please RSVP by tomorrow. Um, That's the deadline for signing up for the gala. Uh, We're looking forward to a wonderful evening together as the people of God rejoicing in the gifts um, that we have here at our church and school. Um, This morning, Joe Lipom is here. There's lots going on coming up with our 170th anniversary of the church and school. So he's gonna say a few words about that. He's the head of our anniversary committee.
1: Thank you, Pastor, and good morning, everybody. I'm Joe Leipom, and I've had the privilege over the past year to be working with a group of fellow members on a special committee that's been working to put together some special events for our 170th anniversary, which we celebrate this year in 2023, 170 years of proclaiming God's word from this church and from our school. I'd ask that you take out the flyer that's in your bulletin this morning as it represents some activities that we have planned over the next month to help us celebrate the 170th anniversary. We've tied our anniversary celebration to the restoration of our three bells that have recently been restored and that have rung out from this location for almost our entire existence. As you can see, we will begin our time of jubilation next Sunday, October 15th, and will continue each week until November 5th, when we come together on All Saints Day for special worship services, including the ringing of all three restored bells for the first time. Between services on November 5th, we'll gather for a special 170th Jubilee in the gymnasium, at which time we'll take a look back at our history and recognize some special guests, including Pastor Larry Schmidt, who served our congregation from 1977 until 1989. Two other events that I would highlight are first on Saturday, November 4th, so the day before our Jubilee, we will have an open house in the lounge between two and four p.m. to welcome the Schmidt family back to Sheboygan. And we just ask that you consider stopping in for that open house format again on Saturday, November 4th. And on the evening of Saturday, October 21st, we'll continue the tradition that this congregation has had over the past 170 years of doing a hymn sing. So we'll gather here at 7 p.m. for an evening of thanks and praise. And as you can see on the reverse side of the flyer, we are blessed to be joined by the capella of the University of Concordia, Chicago, and our very own 5th through 8th grade choir for a special evening of song and fellowship. Finally, next week Sunday, and throughout the celebration, a special 170th anniversary envelope will be made available to you, and we ask your prayerful consideration of a special gift to help us retire the campaign, the capital campaign, that we're working on at this time. So let's join together as a congregation over the next couple of weeks for a time of jubilation as we celebrate the restoration of our bells and we thank God for his wonderful blessings over the past 170 years. Thank you. Thank you, Joe.
0: The service this morning is found on the panel of your bulletin. The best way to follow along is put your bulletin in the back of your hymnal and then simply go to the page indicated on the panel. The green sheet is there with the readings, notes on today's service, and a devotion for you to be used throughout the week. Please stand, and this is the last week you won't hear the bells.
2: Let us kneel for confession and absolution. <laughs> oh, almighty God, merciful Father. Father.
0: Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever.
2: God, you gave your Son into the hands of sinful men who killed him. Forgive us when we reject your unfailing love and grant us the fullness of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
0: Old Testament reading for the 19th 19th Sunday after Pentecost is from Isaiah chapter 5. Let me sing for my beloved my song, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. The epistle is from Philippians chapter 3. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted a loss for the sake of Christ. that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to Saint Matthew, the twenty first chapter. Jesus said, hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a winepress in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did the same thing to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, What will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds, because they held him to be a prophet. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. When the farmhands saw this son arrive, they rubbed their hands in greed. This is the heir. Let's kill him and have it all for ourselves. So they grabbed him, threw him out, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard arrives home from his trips, what do you think that he will do to these farmhands? He said, they said, he'll kill them, that rotten bunch. And he will say, good riddance. That's what we would do, wouldn't we? And for a lot less than the owner of this vineyard. You hurt me, I hurt you back. Revenge, tit for tat, an eye for an eye. And if not outwardly, then we do it in our hearts, silently stewing over the wrong that may have been done to us. Plotting and even dreaming a payback Maybe someone at work or at school takes credit for something that you did. Someone cuts you off in traffic. I know what you're thinking. Same for me. Or that time you went out of your way for someone and you didn't even get a mere thank you. What is it that causes all that indignation and hatred to swell up in our hearts? and make us want to lash out to ungrateful wretches. The owner gave them so many chances, too many, maybe we would say. Sending servant after servant after servant and finally sending his son. And those tenants just kept on getting worse. They finally pushed him too far. The owner should give them what they deserve. They can simply go to hell. That's what we would do. And so we think that's what God should do too. Even was talked about in the Isaiah prophet, Isaiah the prophet this morning. God expected good grapes and they produced nothing but wild grapes. So you're out. So there's a word of warning for all of us here this morning. If we think that sin doesn't matter. It does. Israel is the example for us. When they push God too far, what Isaiah prophesied happened, the armies, the, armies of, the armies of the enemies of Israel came up against them, defeated them in battle, and hauled them off as prisoners of war. They were exiled from the land of God had promised to them, for it was not their walls of stone and weapons of war that was their strength and protection. God was their wall. God was their fortress. And without him, all wild grapes and no good grapes, they went down. That's what they deserve. And truth be told, it's what we each deserve. But here is where this dialogue between Jesus and the chief priests and the Pharisees takes a surprising turn with Jesus' answer. He doesn't agree with the chief priests and the Pharisees and their answer and the evaluation of the situation. It's not their answer that was wrong. We've already seen what happened to Old Testament Israel. It's just that their answer was incomplete. So it's almost like after their answer, Jesus pauses for a moment, takes a pregnant pause, so to speak, and then speaks. Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. You see, like us, the Pharisees knew their law. You see, the law is our native language. It's written on our hearts. It's an atmosphere we grew up in. It's what we know. It's a doggy-doubt world out there. Like us, they knew what should happen to ungrateful, self-righteous farmhands like those. What they didn't know and what they needed to learn was the gospel: that God is so utterly unlike us that we need to rethink everything we thought we knew and realize how lavish the love of God is. So Jesus quotes some words from Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected, the stone that was not good enough, so was rejected and thrown out into the scrap heap. God not only takes and uses, but he has made it the cornerstone. The most important stone in the whole building. The stone off of which the rest of the building depends and is built on. It is a new life, a resurrection of sorts for that stone. And this was God's plan the whole time. What was written in the Psalms was happening now. Jesus is going to be rejected, thrown out with the trash onto a scrap heap of humanity on the cross, but then would become the cornerstone. This was God's plan of lavish love for sinners. Except that doesn't seem to agree with the parable, where the owner sends the son thinking that they will respect my son. But here is exactly where the parable surprises us and begins to change our thinking. For the word that Jesus used here for respect actually has two meanings. It's like our English word, cleave. What does that word mean? Well, it has two opposite meanings, actually. It can mean to cut apart and separate like a meat cleaver. Or it can mean to join together like when a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife and the two become one flesh. Jesus' word here. In the original language, is like that. It can mean either respect or shame. So which one do we pick? Does the owner of the vineyard really think they will respect his son after all they had done to the servants he had sent before? Unlikely. They will shame my son. And that's exactly what happens. But who does that? Who in their right mind sends their only son to be shamed, or worse, killed? Your heavenly Father does. He sent his son to be rejected, to be shamed, to be thrown out with the trash in order to take him from the scrap heap of the grave and raise him back to life as the cornerstone, the stone upon which the whole church is built. You see, God doesn't do what we would do or think what we think he should do. He does this, this marvelous, wonderful work. And so the Old Testament, Israel was defeated in battle, hauled off and exiled, yes, but our wondrous, lavish love of God brought them back again, a new life, of resurrection of sorts. And this is why we so often read the words of Psalm 118 at the graveside of a Christian. This body that we lay into the ground looks like it has been defeated in death. But it hasn't. For in Christ Jesus there is life from the dead, resurrection, the forgiveness of sins, but it's not just for you when you die. Jesus is holding this out to the chief priests and the Pharisees and you and me even now. For he goes on to explain, the one who falls in this stone will be broken to pieces and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The time for crushing, the last day, is coming. But that's what we think should happen now to someone who sins against us. We want to crush them, make them pay, but not Jesus. He paid for you and for me. Now is the time to fall and be broken, to fall in repentance for our judgmental hearts, for taking Jesus' cross, one forgiveness for granted, to be broken and seeing who we really are. And it's not pleasant to be broken It hurts. And you and me with our sins are broken much worse than that. But to those who fall and are broken by the law, there is resurrection and there is new life. The forgiveness of sins. But again, who does that? Who forgives people who sin against us? Who would forgive someone who killed their son? God does. The lavish love of God does this. So now is the time of grace. Washing us in our children with the blessed waters of baptism. Announcing new life to us and resurrection and forgiveness. Every time we broken sinners gather together and kneel at this altar, we are forgiven. And even more, not just grudgingly sending us back out, into his vineyard to make up for what we've done but he gives us a seat at his feast serving us and feeding us with his body and blood to build you and me upon the cornerstone the one whom we shamed honors us who does that your father does once the Apostle Paul realized that, it changed his whole life. And we heard in the epistle, he thought he was somebody. He had, won, he had achieved everybody else. He was the top dog. He had accomplished so much. No one could boast more than he could. But once he fell over Jesus and learned the truth, nothing else mattered. Everything else is rubbish, Paul said. Everything else is rubbish once Christ makes you. His child. And that is what God has done for you. He has given you his son and his spirit that you be his own. Who does that? The chief priests and the Pharisees wanted to arrest Jesus for speaking these things. Jesus was the broken one, not them. Well, once again, they were half right. Jesus was broken for them too. And for you to heal the broken, forgiven sinner, to raise the dead. So come now to his table, right here. The amazing, marvelous, lavish love of God for you, the receiving the fruit of the vine is here, the very body and blood of your Savior, so that you might have a new life and produce wonderful fruit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith to Christ Jesus, to life everlasting. Amen.
0: Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus, and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, you have planted, nurtured, and hedged around your vineyard the church. You sent your dear son to give his life for her. Inspire her by your Holy Spirit to yield much fruit for your kingdom, and grant that many find shelter on her holy hill. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our Merciful Father, since your son has made us his own by his death, grant that we may share in his sufferings with confidence, and that we may also know the power of his resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, grant all orphans a safe place in which to grow and thrive. Bring into their lives generous couples who will open their hearts to give them permanent homes through adoption. Lord, in your mercy. Shine your light upon us, O Lord, that we may do what is good and right and live as faithful citizens in our nation. Bless Joseph, our president, Tony, our governor, and all those elected and appointed to make, administer and judge our laws, Lord in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Divine vine dresser, you prune those whom you love. Strengthen our hearts to heed your law, that we may never presume to sin nor trust in our own deeds, but look to the rainfall of your grace for our source of life. Be with all who are sick and suffering, especially. Karen Poor's family, who are in the target of the bombing in Israel. Keep them safe. Be also with Liz Carl's, who will be undergoing surgery. Chad, recovering after open heart surgery. Carla and Charles, undergoing medical tests. Elden, who is ill. Marilyn, in rehabilitation. Brad, awaiting a kidney transplant. Renee, who will be undergoing another major surgery. Michael Davis in treatment for tri- brain cancer. Bart for continued management of his illness. Emmy, Tim, Benjamin, Bernadette, Sue, Jennifer, Sharon, Doris, Timothy, Ronald, John, Mary, and Carl Yago, all in treatment for cancer. And Dorothy in hospice care. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you bring forth from this barren earth a holy people to press forward in your heavenly goal. Direct our zeal toward your good and gracious purpose and prosper the work of the hands that labor in your name. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's body and blood in this holy supper. Strengthen us in faith and renew us in love by this holy communion. Bring us at last with all the saints to dwell in your everlasting presence. Lord, in your mercy, Hear Merciful Lord, you sing the song of your love over the vineyard of your church. Lift her united voice through your spirit, that she in turn would freely praise your lavish grace and proclaim your salvation beyond her walls. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated for the offering and for the signing of the Friendship Register.
2: Give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is, peace and peace, so it is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, AND WHEN HE HAD GIVEN THANKS, HE GAVE IT TO THEM, SAYING, DRINK OF IT, ALL OF YOU. THIS CUP IS THE NEW TESTAMENT IN MY BLOOD, WHICH IS SHED FOR YOU FOR THE FORGIVENESS OF SINS. THIS DO AS OFTEN AS YOU DRINK IT IN REMEMBRANCE OF ME. THE PEACE OF THE LORD BE WITH YOU
3: ALWAYS.
2: Body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace.
0: Give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Let us pray. O God the Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for His sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
2: The Lord be with you. And
3: with
2: my spirit. as we, the Lord.